So my friends, I've got to be completely 100% honest. Uh, I do a little bit of research uh, when looking at the Sunday readings, but there's one particular podcast, a radio show for uh, the phone, that I stay away from because if I listen to it, it comes out on Thursdays for the upcoming weekend, and if I listen to it, I just say, oh, everything they said is better than what I would say, and so I'm just going to repeat what they said. So if you happen to know the same radio show I listen to, then I'm really sorry that this is going to be very repetitive because um, I just totally stole it from them. Some of these scripture ideas. Here's an interesting thing. I didn't realize this, but I thought, you know, remember the last five weeks we've been reading from John's Gospel. We kind of stepped out of Mark's Gospel took a five-week sojourn in John's Gospel and then stepped back into Mark's Gospel. And I thought it was kind of relatively random just to be in the middle of the summer. It's not the case at all. In fact, what we read in John's Gospel actually happens between where we left off with Mark and then right before what we read today. And what started us off with everything that happened with John? The multiplication of the loaves and the fish. The multiplication of the loaves and the fish is what started us off, and we're in the seventh chapter of Mark's gospel right now. In the sixth chapter, Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish for the crowd. It kind of puts a good context for what we're listening to. Why? Because the Pharisees say, some of your disciples are eating their, they don't say meals, they say bread. Some of your disciples are eating their bread with unwashed hands. And I don't think that this is just a general practice among the disciples. I think, along with the people I learned this from, that they're pointing to that multiplication of loaves and fish. You got these 5,000 men with all the women and children with them out in the field. They're not all washing their hands before eating this bread that Jesus multiplied. And so it's a very particular instance. Now, let's add on to that. The Pharisees don't say, why are they doing what's against the scriptures? No. The Pharisees say, why are they doing what's against the tradition of the elders? Why are they breaking the tradition of the elders? To not wash your hands in the Pharisee way is not breaking the law in the scriptures, rather, the Pharisees, and again, the Pharisees get a kind of bad rap. They're saying, well, how do we observe the law? Well, we should make more rules to kind of safeguard the law. So imagine this. Imagine it'd be like saying, okay, everyone comes late to Mass, right? Everyone is coming late to Mass. So we're going to add 10 extra minutes of prayers onto the beginning of Mass. We're going to start at 8 o'clock with 10 minutes of prayers. And then at 8.10, we'll start Mass. Why? So that if you come in five minutes late, well, you're just five minutes after the beginning of our prayers that we've added on, and that you still keep the law of going to Mass. Right? So the Pharisees would add on rules to keep people from breaking the law because those rules are meant to be a buffer zone. That's the tradition of the elders. So Jesus' disciples aren't breaking the law. They're breaking this added-on tradition that was invented by the Pharisees with good intention to help people keep the law, but that had become so corrupted that it's all about that focus. 
It's all about the focus of the tradition. And they lost the whole point of the law. They lost the heart of the law. They lost the meaning of the law. And they were just so focused on their rules and traditions that started as a help, but ended as a corruption. And so when we put these two together, Jesus is feeding this huge crowd of people, and they're more interested in their traditions than they are in what Jesus is doing. That's where he says, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. My friends, I think that this can 100% apply to the church in our present day and in a real way to our parish. That there are certain good practices that the church has had throughout the centuries, but if they're not, if they are practices that have built up to support what we do, we have to be careful to not make them on par with the law. We have to be willing to have some of that flexibility for the good things God is doing. We have to be willing to part maybe with some of those traditions just for their own sake in order to have a love for the deeper things that God does. In a real way, we're doing this and we as a parish community are going through this here as we seek to reach out to and welcome a whole crowd, a multitude of people that our Lord loves and desires to have come and know him in a deeper way now that our academic year has started, I think we have to be very careful to not impose some of our traditions on top of the law and fall into the trap of the Pharisees. Here's a great example. Um, All of the readings for Mass that we have in our booklet are also on a phone. Now look, I'll be honest, if I see someone using a phone during Mass, I judge them. What are you doing texting and using your phone during Mass? But for a lot of people, this is where you can get all the readings, you can get all the stuff right here. And so if we see someone at a Sunday Mass reading stuff along on their phones, I have like four or five different apps on the phone that have different prayers, different things on them that can be helpful. And so maybe that tradition that we have, that's only come up recently, don't use your phone in church. Well, if your phone has the stuff for the Mass and you're using it to pray, then maybe that's a rule we need to consider to not be so harsh in judging. Sure, if you're texting or calling during Mass, that's a problem. If you're shopping on Amazon right now and God knows who you are, okay, that's a problem. But... It's not the phone itself that's the problem. And it can be used for something good. The way, look, we should be quiet and pray after Mass. But again, as we're meeting people and talking to them, the good of community could be served. And maybe people talking out in the back there and staying around and chatting for a while can disrupt some of us praying here in the church. But you know what? We're getting to meet each other. And it's a good thing. And God loves that. There are these traditions that have built up that can be good and helpful, but they can't be the end-all, be-all. And we need to have that openness of heart. What is our Lord God doing? The Mass is the most important. 
there are certain things that can't change. But the traditions and the structure that has built up around that may have been helpful for the last 10, 15, 30, 50, 60 years, but maybe today we just need to reevaluate. Is this helping people love the Mass? Or is it forming us into a calcified group that doesn't have the hearts that are open to welcome those uh, who want to know our Lord Jesus? It's a question each of us can ask in our own examination of conscience. This is the trap of the Pharisees. This is what our Lord is talking about. Jesus is so good. He's calling so many people to himself. And we want to enable that call. We want to reach out so that more and more people may come to know, love, and serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.